Stacey Archer with Travel, Eat, Cook, and another podcast. This is a podcast format where I come to you every week and introduce you to somebody who's had an experience traveling anywhere in the world and loves to get involved with the food culture. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to stay traveling domestically today. I'm talking to John Hendrickson. John is in the Bay Area. And he's going to talk to us about an American favorite food culture, and that's barbecue. So good morning, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yes. So I heard that you have a really, really and that you've gotten into uh, some competitions. Why don't you take us through kind of what sparked your interest in barbecue? I've always been a backyard cook. Um, Then I started doing a little larger cooking uh, when I was a member of a yacht club. Uh, We would a few times a year maybe do a barbecue or roast a whole pig for, you know, 180 or 200 people. So from that point, uh, one of my friends that was also in the club said, hey, we're good cooks. Let's go join this, uh, enter this barbecue competition. So, so you, so you just decided on a whim, Hey, you've had experience here. You've roasted some whole pigs and you probably thought you were pretty good. So you entered into a competition. What happened? Um, we pretty much got our butts handed to us. Um, (laughs) Barbecue competition is just a whole different level than a backyard cook. Okay. So what was your learning from that and how did you continue on learning more about barbecue tips and cooking? Uh, from that point, you know, we tried three different competitions and just, you know, thought we would try different things. We were, you know, we figured we're a good cook. We'll get this figured out, but there was no results from that. We couldn't compete. So, uh, Kansas city barbecue society, KCBS is a national, uh, group of, uh, professional barbecues for barbecue competitions. Uh, so there was, uh, one of the competitors that's been the top in the nation for a few years at that time, this was like 2011 or 12. And we decided we were going to take a trip, uh, you know, from the West coast, uh, out to Oklahoma and get a two day education on professional barbecue competitions. So you traveled to Oklahoma specifically to take a class in barbecue. That's it. We got off the plane, headed straight to uh, where the class was being held, uh, booked a hotel near there. And it was a, uh, just like a barbecue competition. It was a simulated competition to where we did uh, prep injections and, and did the full cook, which uh, was a two day, uh, two day class. Interesting. Do you, do you remember about how much it was to take that class? I know I'm asking you off the cuff here. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, it depends on the, how good the person is and how much backing background they have in it. You know, I've held my own classes to uh, teach more on the backyard level. But uh, a class like that could run anywhere from, you know, $350 to maybe $1,000. Right. But you're learning from one of the best pit masters in all of the U.S. Obviously, you took it seriously enough to fly to Oklahoma, take a two-day class, 
coming away with it, I mean, did you obviously notice that you learned a lot and your backyard barbecue became even better? Absolutely. We took the class, I think it was maybe in January of 2012. My very first event that I entered after that, I mean, went straight to the top. Uh, you know, I won two three foot tall trophies and uh, reserve grand champion. You know, I went from not getting any notoriety or we call it a call. That's when they call your name and you're in the top 10 or five you know, place wise. Uh, so my very next event just set me straight to the top. And then, uh, you know, we really took off and got serious then. Right. So let's bring this to our listeners right now. And having the experience that you have in classes and in competition and all those wonderful trophies that you've won, what are some tips you can give us for our backyard barbecue? Well, I mean, personally, myself, coming from competition barbecue, um, we're not really concerned so much about health as far as uh, fat and stuff like that. We buy the best meats that we can. And, uh, of course, you know, if you're going to go to the supermarket, don't pass the one up that's got all the marbling in it. Those are the good ones to cook. Um, but really, buy good meats. I like to cook on charcoal. Uh, charcoal, if you are going to use a charcoal type uh, grill or kettle, a Weber or whatever you're going to use, one of the biggest mistakes people make is first using cheap briquettes um, and or using lighter fluid or briquettes that are soaked with lighter fluid. Um, that's going to send you down the wrong path if you want your food to taste like gasoline. So do you and then, recommend, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, John, I just right there, I want you to go back. Do you have a recommendation on the type of briquette you would use? Are you looking for some sort of flavoring in it? What are, what do you recommend? Uh, myself, I, I prefer lump charcoal. Lump charcoal is, uh, is 100% wood. You know, it's not uh, something that's been ground up and had additives put into it. It's going to burn hotter. It's going to burn a lot cleaner uh, and give you a much better flavor. Okay, great. And then I'm just going to add in from my own backyard barbecue experience, lighter fluid is the way we all kind of started off as novices. And you just throw a whole bunch on there to get the grill going. But you do taste it in your food. You can taste the lighter fluid in your food and, you, and you're breathing in all those fumes. So I've learned to get an electric starter and I bought one on Amazon. It was not that expensive. And you just plug it in and you put the, the briquettes on top of the electric starter and it works beautifully. So that's my little tip for everyone listening. <laughs> right. Uh, the, other, the other tip would be when, which a lot of the competition guys use, and it's very simple. Is they call it a, a chimney. Um, it's like a round cylinder type thing with a, an insulated handle on it. And you just wad up like a little piece of paper in the very bottom of it. And then the charcoals go in the top. There's a little divider. Uh, so it's a chimney starter. It just starts a little flame down at the bottom. And uh, you don't have to worry about having electricity with you. Great. So how do you, how do you know when your grill is ready for your barbecue? Are you looking for something in particular at a temperature? Um, are you looking for all that ash to be around the charcoal briquettes? I mean, what, what is it you know from your experience that your grill is now ready for your meat? Good question, Stacy. 
that's one of the biggest mistakes people make um, in a rush, in a rush. You need to take your meat out and let it get uh, near room temp so the inside is not too cold. And then you need to get your charcoal started and let it get, uh, you know, a nice gray hue to it. If you're using any type of uh, a smoker or whatever, your smoke in the beginning is going to end up being kind of a blackish to a whitish color. You know it's going to be perfect when that smoke is blue. Um, that's going to be your cleanest fire. Hmm. So you need to let, let everything get acclimated there. Let the temperatures get your grill nice and hot. Uh, you need to plan and not rush. It's it's the biggest mistake is rushing through. Well, that's really a good tip because I think we're all, you know, hungry at the time that we're starting the grill. It's like starting mm -hmm. an oven and putting something in the oven that's not preheated, you're not going to get the same results. So we have to look at our grills as taking it for the time that it takes to heat up and get to the point that you suggested. Right. And not only that, when the charcoal is just getting lit, it's not burning clean yet. You know, it's not as bad as a lighter fluid or something like that, but it's still not burning clean. Right. Well, that's really good. Now, tell me a little bit about, um, give us an example of something you'd like to put out on the barbecue. You mentioned bring the, the meat to room temperature, let it sit. What are the things that you do to prepare the meat for the grill? Uh, it depends on what meat I'm cooking. Uh, chicken, I'm not going to leave out quite as long. You know, I want the outside to be, you know, I don't want it cold still. And especially since chicken needs to be cooked through. But a chicken, I'm typically, if I'm going to do whole chicken, I might brine it for a few hours or something. You know, mix a, a salt and a sugar together and uh, put it in some kind of vessel or a pot uh, to where you can let it soak. Uh, you know, there's a, a beef or a pork cut, like a steak. Um, I'll put some dry rubs on them, put it on one side until it starts to sweat a little bit and then flip it over and then do the other side while it's coming up to room temperature. That gives it time for the uh, seasonings to start soaking in. Good point. You know, it's, we need to remember that what we do to prepare the meat for the grill almost as important as what we do on the grill. So, you know, dry rubs, they, there's so many recipes out there of dry rubs. What is one that you go to? What do you like to use for a dry rub? Uh, dry rubs, huge subject. Um, when you get into competition barbecue, the dry rubs are often developed by competitors, uh, meaning that they're not necessarily going to be in a grocery store. Grocery store, if you pick up a bottle of dry rub, and it's typically going to start the ingredients with salt. Um, we have a tendency of probably using a little more dry rub than you would typically at, at home because we're being judged and we want a full flavor. But the competition ones just don't have that salt. But one of my favorites is a good friend of mine that I've been competing with uh, for years. Um, his product is called Simply Marvelous. And he's got a whole selection of dry rubs between pork, beef, chicken, um, Stephen Franklin, and he's got some really good stuff. But I would highly suggest people, whether you're, it's a little more expensive on an Amazon or something, but there's a lot of barbecue stores that you can order online. Um, look up some of these dry rubs that are not in the supermarket. Uh, you'll get a far better quality 
and a lot less salt. That's a good tip. Now, if I didn't have a dry rub container, but I wanted to make my own dry rub, what are some of the typical seasonings? Obviously, salt. I'm going to say, I know it, it depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking for a smoky flavor? Are you looking for a spicy flavor? But you put in what? Paprika? What are some of the some of the seasonings you do if you had to make a rub at home? Yeah, of course. You know, I'd like to see salt in the ingredient further down in a less percentage. Uh, but sure, you're going to use a paprika for some color. Um, it, it does contribute some to the flavoring, but of course you're going to have uh, like granulated garlic, onion. Uh, you can get into all kinds of things depending upon what you're doing. You can even be like some cumin or celery seed, uh, stuff like that. Well, I like the idea that you can play with it and you'll get a different flavor profile with the meat. So, you know, trying different rubs, whether you buy them on Amazon or get them from a a nice barbecue store or you experiment at home with some different seasonings that you have in your spice cabinet. It does have a different twist and it allows you to be creative um, because you're going to get a different profile at the very end. Correct. And one thing you got to be careful with, too, depending upon, I mean, you got to kind of know the basics about meats. Now, if you're talking beef, like a nice ribeye steak or something like that, just good old salt and pepper and maybe a little bit of garlic. If uh, if you're thinking of Texas style, they're huge on pepper. Uh, you don't need a lot with a good cut of meat. Now, if you're going to do something like a, a pork cut, a tenderloin or Uh, a pork chop, something like that, I tend to make those a little sweeter, the dry rubs. You don't really want sweet on the beef, but sweet lends very, very well with pork. Good, good point. When it's time to put it on the grill, we've already talked about how you prepare the grill and know when it is time. It's very difficult for people to know, okay, it's done. When, when is it done? When is it, you know, if it's a steak, when is it medium rare? When is it well? Outside of having a digital thermometer, which we recommend always using to kind of, you know, gauge it, are there any other tips to tell when your meat is cooked? Uh, you know, I really rely on the good old digital instant read thermometer. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that say they can use their finger to touch the denseness of the meat and stuff but it's just I've never gotten good enough for that you know I just rely on the good old digital I'm sorry I can't I have nothing to lend for that no it's important and I've done it I've done it enough that I can know from touch of a steak if it's you know if it's well done you know you don't get much resistance you don't get much resistance and when it's rare you get a lot of resistance so y'all you can kind of just do it from your own experience experience, but you always want to be safe because if anyone gave you a recipe for, you know, how long to cook something on the grill, keep in mind, weight is varied between, you know, different cuts of meat. It can, you know, the thicker the the meat, the longer it's going to take. So it's very difficult to gauge. Um, Chicken, especially, you want to make sure it gets cooked all the way through. So you're going to want to make sure that you get that digital thermometer in there and you look for 160 to 165 degrees. So and it's always best to rely on a digital thermometer. um, But just to get an idea, Remember, the thickness of your meat is going to dictate the timing that it's going to need to grow. So with that said, I think we should talk about your idea and 
pull it into travel. So our listeners like to learn about different destinations to go to and what the local food is like. And here I'm talking to you about good old American barbecue. So do you have any suggestions on where you would go and try barbecue or what you would do to incorporate travel and barbecue together? Absolutely. Uh, KCBS, the uh, Kansas City Barbecue Society, is a nationally sanctioned professional barbecue circuit. It is, uh, it is not fun and games. Uh, it's a lot of money being put out by sponsors from uh, anywhere from the cookers to charcoals to the little gadgets that you use. And you're going to get the best, best food barbecue that you're ever going to get. So the way to do that is if you're going to travel, say I'm going to travel to uh, Kansas City and you could uh, go to the Kansas City Barbecue Society website and look up and see if there's going to be a competition that weekend. They typically start on a Friday, which the cooks to get their meat inspected and start doing their injections and rubs and stuff like that. The big competition is on Saturday. And there's going to be, it could be anywhere from 20, 30 to 100 or more competitors. I mean, competitive teams. Each team may have more than several people. Uh, but they sell food. Not all the teams sell the food. But you might uh, strike some conversa conversation, get some cooking tips. And often, you know, we might hand somebody a rib and say, hey, try this. You know, but... Uh, in the competition barbecue, um, you know, like I said, we're buying the best meats, we're buying the best rubs, we're buying the best charcoals and the best cookers. The Each judge that's going to judge, uh, we have six judges per meat category, and they're only going to take two bites of your meat. I mean, you have up to 24 hours to cook a brisket, a pork shoulder, uh, like uh pork ribs, which is usually St. Louis style, and also chicken, which is usually thighs. Um, but they're going to take two bites. That's it. You're being judged on that for, you know, everything you got there. It's going to be good. That's intense to realize all of that work comes down to two bites. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're talking about the corporate sponsors. Not everybody's got corporate sponsors, but we're using uh, the upper teams are going to use like a Wagyu brisket. So we're going to spend like $180 to $200 for a Wagyu brisket. We need a minimum of six quarter inch slices to put in our entry box. And, you know, we probably usually put just for appearance wise, eight to 10 pieces or so in there, but a $200 cut of meat. And we're only going to turn in like six slices. <laughs> So that is where I would like to be next to you when you're done giving your six slices away and I can eat all the rest with you. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, the yes. The, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so you're saying some of these places actually do um, sell the food that the, you can buy tickets or whatever, and you can actually taste the barbecue in these competitions. That's correct. Uh, you have option to vend. Uh, usually, uh, if you're going to vend, you know, you need to have a little pop up with some screens to be health, uh, healthy that way, way, but, uh, you know, it's very easy. This, this is like a passion, a passion for people. Um, 
you strike up a conversation. It's not uncommon for somebody to be proud of what they cooked and maybe give you a slice of brisket or something, even if they're not vending. Um, it, it's, it's incredible. It's, these competitions are all over the country. Some people travel from state to state. Uh, you know, in California, a huge state. And for me to be real competitive, I need to travel from Northern California to Southern California. So a lot of my weekend friends, I only see if I go to a competition. So we kind of joke around as we're sitting around on Friday night having a cocktail and getting ready for the big Saturday. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's camping with purpose. And if you really think you're crazy about something too passionate, people think you're nuts at home. You go here and everybody's the same way. <laughs> you make fast friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge passion. You're going to get the best food, the food that's not sitting around in a restaurant. You know, it's it's going to be really good and a huge variety of very, very good barbecue. You know, if you're going to travel, look this up. See if you can find a fe festival barbecue competition. There's usually a lot of other things there other than just barbecue, maybe a car show, a band. Um, you know, a lot of fun things to do and you can get some really incredible food. Well, that is really good—a really good travel tip for us. I mean, we're all struggling right now with the COVID nineteen, and many people are looking for alternatives for international travel and staying right here at home domestically, staying in your own state, driving around maybe from state to state if you want. Um, check out KCBS. Look for where those competitions are, and enjoy a different style of a vacation. I actually like this idea, and I think I'm going to be doing it this summer. So thank you, John. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, you were a wonderful guest. And maybe if you would be willing to share a recipe for our backyard barbecuers, we would love to maybe see what what kind of recipe you could come up with. Maybe, you know, the brine, the rub, or anything that you'd be willing to share. A barbecue sauce. I don't know if you have uh, something you would give us as a tip. But um, I know that there'd be a lot of people interested in, in kind of taking away from this podcast and getting out there with their own barbecue grill and giving it a shot. Yeah. Uh, geez, I cook so intensely. It would take forever. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, we cook a lot of St. Louis style ribs. Uh, baby backs, you know, also would apply. But people uh, usually don't know that on the back side of the rib, there's a thin membrane that needs to be pulled off. It's going to make it a lot more tender without having to bite through, you know, a membrane that's practically dried out by the time it's cooked. But, uh, you know, find a dry rub, something like uh, Sim Simply Marvis Supplies. He's got uh one rub that's called the uh, genie's trinity it's a little sweeter he also has like a spicy apple sometimes i'm going to mix a little bit of the spicy apple it's got a little touch of cinnamon in it give that you know a, a fair coating i don't like blobbing it all in in one spot so give it a nice even dusting and i'd like to cook uh you know there's some people like to smoke uh slow some like to go hot and fast hot and fast seems to be the trend so in my drum smoker i will uh actually hang the ribs and they'll hang for about two hours at about 275 degrees mm -hmm. once they have color on them 
this is where your backyard cooks out. We, we foil, we foil the ribs. We put like, you know, maybe a quarter cup of brown sugar, uh, butter all in the bottom of the foil, a little bit of honey, or, uh, I actually use some maple syrup also, and a little bit of, uh, maybe a, you know, like a barbecue sauce with a little vinegar in it. You're not going to totally load this up. So you roll this up, foil up tight around the ribs, and then you're going to probably go maybe another hour and a half or so until they're extremely tender. Once you open up the foil to test, I don't typically go by a temperature, but I use a toothpick and slide the toothpick in the meat in between the ribs. And when it just slides in and out, like it's just no friction at all, then it's ready. Great. Perfect tip. The toothpick at the end is a good test to know when it's ready if you're smoking like that. That's wonderful. You have made me so hungry. And I'm realizing you and I are talking on Father's Day. And so there's probably a lot of families out there that are going to be going out to the backyard and firing up their grill. So hopefully they can get some tips. You were a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Okay. Yep. John, we'll talk to you soon. This has been Stacy Archer with Travel, Eat, Cook. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you.